You're on time to talk sports with raw mind. Game day, who plays with updates of all kinds? From press box to sideline, who got cut, who got signed? Who's clutch when it's crunch time? The starting lineup or the pine? These athletes compete, some without even trying. You want a championship, you gotta grind. When them bright lights shine, and this game go nine. They gon' cover the story, not quite like Ryan. Exclusive interviews, dudes plug like Mike Line. He's got the inside scoop of why, who got fine? Prime, time, got the game statistics. I could say, if you wasn't at the game, you missed it. But now, raw mind sports covers the distance. Front row, that's close, like a coach's assistant. You wanna be in the know? Eyes open and listen. This is raw mind sports, another edition. It's 4.15 Eastern Time, and Raw Thoughts is on the way with my guy, This Just In. We got some topics to talk about in the NFL, but before I do that, you know what it is. Hit my music. You're on time to talk sports with Raw Mind. Game day, who plays with updates of all kinds? From fresh box to sideline. Who got cut, who got signed? Who's clutch when it's crunch time? The starting lineup or the pine? These athletes compete, some without even trying. You want a championship, you gotta grind. When them bright lights shine, and this game go nine, they gon' cover the story, not quite like Ryan. Exclusive interviews, dudes plug like Mike Line. He's got the inside scoop of why, who got fine? Time, got the game statistics. I could say, if you wasn't at the game, you missed it. But now, raw mind sports covers the distance. Front row, that's close, like a coach's assistant. You want to be in the know? Eyes open and listen. This is raw mind sports, another edition. <laughs> well, well, well. This just then, you probably didn't see that intro a while back when you was on the podcast. But um, this is your time to introduce yourself to the Before people. Before we. Before I do introduce myself, go ahead, go ahead. Be, of course you would have to start with Terrell Owens on a Dallas Cowboys star. <laughs> Trust the 49ers fun to start with that as their intro. <laughs> I should have known better, right? <laughs> Gets no better, baby. Gets no better. <laughs> we will talk with the 49ers, though, because I do think if Jimmy Garoppolo comes back, I have them as your as the Super Bowl favorites, but it's a conversation for later on. But, oh, yeah, yeah. we're going to talk about it. Oh, we can talk about that. But yes, folks, hashtag this just in. Do not leave out the hashtag because this is the original this just in. Yeah, we formed the show before Max Kellerman came up with his cold takes on ESPN. But yeah, we talk all things sports. And last episode, we did indeed have a show about the World Cup. We recapped the World Cup and indeed the final. But hashtag this just in. You can find us every Monday night on YouTube, 7 p.m. Central. Um, sorry, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. And on all short-form platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. But we're not here for that. We're here to talk about some sports. And it's only talk, you want to talk about the college football signing data. Let's get to it, right? With that being said, so I had my guy, shout out to my guy M. Pounds up here the other day. He wants me to do a play-by-play with him with the San Francisco 49ers versus uh, the Washington Commanders. It's going to be extremely hard to do this play-by-play because, you know, as a fan, you know it's different. You can't really be focused. I'd rather do other play-by-plays with, like, other teams, like, and it makes it, you know, not biased. I'm a fan. You know, I want to be able to watch the game as a fan. But he offered this, and this is the number one rule for me. It's hard for me to do that. But I'm going to try. He may, he, may, he may get views. He may not. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's going to be a lot easier than you think, Ray. And I had to do it once, like, three years ago for a Packers thing. And, you know, the fans are there asking you questions, so most, more often than not, you're answering questions and breaking on what you're seeing. So you will think that you're going to be a fan, but trust me, you're going to be fine. <laughs> well, thank you. I got, I got your blessings. There we go. There <laughs> we go. With that being said, college football signing day came up recently. Dion is now in Colorado after a tough loss to North Carolina Central in my state, you know, home of the Eagles. Um, <laughs> how do you feel about Dion being successful, I guess? Let's, let's just talk about college football signings. Did you see anything? Did you like something that was appealing to you? What, what, what? Let's go there. Um, we're get, I know we're going to get into Dion, but just his magnetism and the star part that he attracts 
and already you're seeing kind of the shifting of, I don't want to say the guard, but because of his star appeal, you know, it's almost like he's a sun and, and, and things orbit around him. So the moment that he moves from Jackson State University to Colorado, as you said, all of a sudden now you're seeing these five-star recruits that ordinarily wouldn't be going to Colorado because, let's be honest, this was arguably the worst program in all of Par 5 football last year. So now you're seeing situations where I want to say two or three five-star recruits have already signed or signaled their intent to go to Colorado, including Travis Hunter, who was with Dion at um, Jackson State University. He has signaled his intent to go to Colorado, and that should come as no surprise because I think Travis Hunter had already, before going to Jackson State, he had already, you know, put forward his intent that he was going to Florida State and to go from a major um, program like Florida State and end up to Jackson State. That just shows you the drawing power that Dion has. And they say all that to say, I can see a situation where in two or three years that Dion is going to be able to attract enough talent to Colorado where we could be talking about them potentially competing for a playoff spot two or three seasons from now. And yeah, and um, I'm thinking they're doing a new scenario playoffs, like 12 teams next year. I'm thinking, is it, is it maybe next, next year or two years from now? But I know eventually they're going to get there. But I think next year is still the 14 playoff. So if they keep that for however long Dion decides to stay that stay at, at Colorado, I am willing to say that in three, four years, we could see them actually competing for a spot because these players, for whatever it is with Dion. And I mean, this is a top 10 all-time player in the NFL, regardless of position. We're talking about a guy who has the charisma that we've never seen in the likes of sports. Like, Dion talks and we just listen. Dion is probably one of the most arrogant athletes we've ever seen. And we don't <laughs> call him on it because it comes with a certain level of charisma. Because as much as Dion's going to talk big and, you know, talk grandiose, Dion has never said anything that he doesn't back up. <laughs> that is who, how he is. He talks big and walks big as well. <clears throat> Players are going to follow him, right? Alright, so um, I say the same thing, but before I go to the next topic, Essential Collections, Essential Collections by Monica Riggs. Her website is www.essentialcollections.square.site. Use the promo code RollMind. Use the promo code RollMind. Get a 15% discount. Crystal Special is actually 25% discount now. And she's been rolling. That's what she says. Handmade products, her own made products, bath products, facial products, body products. You name it. She has it. Raw Mind Sports, use promo code Raw Mind, use promo code Raw Mind, and you'll get a great discount. All right, so now, since you went into that, you said Deion Sanders in Colorado. Um, and I know you talked a little bit about it, but how did you feel about his signing day this year already? Did you think it went splendid, or where did it go? All right, so I'm going to tackle this from two phases. Colorado won here. Like, there's no doubt about it. When you attract someone like Dion, and I know – it's not like he has this huge head coaching resume before Jackson State to show home about. But again, as I told you, because of who Dion is, because of the NFL player he is, or was, sorry, and the charisma that he brings, the star appeal that is Dion, players are going to come to Colorado. And make no mistake about this, I've said this over and over, Rand, recruiting is 75% of the battle. Like, you don't mm-hmm. have the players to recruit, then you're not going to compete on the field. Like, these coaches aren't as great as they want you to believe they are. Recruiting is 75% of your work done. So Colorado has won here. And before I say what I'm about to say, I am happy to see someone like Dion getting the chance to coach in Power 5 football. Here's the second part, though, right? I am unhappy at Dion leaving Jackson State University. Whoa, whoa. Let's get into that. So why you are unhappy about him leaving Jackson State? And I was listening. I ain't even finished the whole club Shay Shay interview because I want to, before I talk about it myself, I want to dive mentally in it because I feel like you still got to give somebody a chance to say what they have to say. And I didn't get a chance to see it. I felt like everything in that interview 
came out or what he was. So once I do that, I'm going to do an individual podcast on that. But tell me why you don't like Dion Levy. So here's the thing. I'm never saying that he should not leave an HBCU from the SWAC. I'm not saying he should never have left. My issue is the words that Dion used when he was going into Jackson State University, into HBCU, in the SWAC. And I'll list these words for you. When Dion was being introduced, the first thing he said was that this was his calling. These aren't my words. These are Dion's words. This is my calling. God called me Colette, and I picked up the charges. And part of the reason he said that, and these again are his words, not mine. He wanted to open an avenue for us, for black athletes, to show them that they did not need to make it to the NFL through the Power Five. He wanted to make HBCUs a legitimate avenue for high-level recruits to go make money and go on to the NFL. These are his words. He said it was his calling. He wanted to create a path. He wanted to improve the standard of the SWAT. He wanted to show what HBCUs are all about, and I was all for it. You can't then do that, and then the moment you get a chance three years later, right, leave and go to the worst program in the HBCUs, because you didn't go to Alabama, you didn't go to Clemson, you didn't go to Notre Dame, you didn't go to Ohio State, you didn't go to Michigan. He went to Colorado who finished this season 1-11, for those who don't know. Not only did he go to the worst program in the Power 5 rank, he took up all of the recruits that he brought with him to Jackson State University, all the high-level ones, and brought them to Colorado with him. We mentioned Travis Hunter earlier. His son, um, I want to say, I keep forgetting his first name, but uh, the quarterback, also with the last name of Sanders, um, a four-star running back and another high-level recruit are all going to Colorado with him. And again, I didn't expect him to single-handedly change the outlook of SWAT. I didn't expect him to single-handedly change the outlook of HBCUs. But I don't expect you in one breath to tell me your mission, your goal was to show that high-level recruits can make it to the NFL through HBCUs, and then you go on to the NFL before accomplishing that dream. And that was my problem. And then you then say that the high-level recruits don't need the Power 5, and then you take them up and take them to the Power 5. Anyhow, that was a bad look. Now, had he not said that, right, I'd have absolutely no problem with him yeah, going yeah. North Carolina. I get where you're coming from. I, I definitely do. Um, The thing I saw last on the um. Club Shay Shay, and I still got to finish it up. He was saying um, that before he even took the job, before he could even get out the words out of his mouth, the athletic director at Jackson State said, Give me two years. He said he wasn't even thinking about that. He said, Give me two years. I guess he thought that DM was a big brand, a person could leave. But DM said, But I gave him three. All he asked me to do was do two years there. He said he never told that to anyone. Until the podcast that the AD came out publicly on that show and says, all he asked me to do was to be there just for three years. I mean, excuse me, just to be there for two years. But I gave him three. That's some kind of interest, but I still got to peel back on some other stuff. But go ahead if you want to chime in on that. And the thing is, again, I have no problem with that, right? I, mm -hmm. It all comes down to what Dion said on taking the job. Had he left that rhetoric, oh, Dion could do what the hell he wants to. Because the money he's making at Colorado versus money that he would have been making at Jackson State University is obviously mm -hmm. chalk and cheese. And I'm never going to tell a black man, don't take more money. They, I'm not paying your bills. So I'm not against him on that. And especially if the athletic director tells you, only give me two years and give them three. And make no mistake, Rand, if I sound critical of Dion, it's only because of his words. Because his actions, no, match everything else. Like when you look at what he's done, the economic, um, I don't want to say, driving force that he brought to the city of Jackson alone. We know that Mississippi is one of the poorest states in all of America. Shout out for Brett Favre for making it even poorer. But, like, you know what Mississippi is, the city of Jackson, and he sat down 
and drove, I think there is an actual number amount of economic activity that Dion brought to Jackson just by his presence alone. Then there are uh, reports that he would have used his own money to help build new facilities. We knew about the partnership that he fostered with Under Armour and Jackson State every week had new uniforms. Um, because of his presence, I think College Game Day for the first time ever visited an HBCU, which was Jackson State University. Then we started getting HBCU games, SWAT games on um, ESPN. And I think there is a report out there that there's a particular deal that ESPN brokered in covering SWAT football just because of Dion. Um, Jackson State University is getting a new field. I could go on and on and on and on and on. Like what Dion did with his presence alone for Jackson State University was a huge deal. And I'm never going to criticize Dion for what he did because he talked the talk and he walked the walk. I just have a problem, Ryan, with when you say your calling was to show that athletes don't need the power five and then you end up in the power five anyway. Yeah, that's the uh, that's why I say it in life, words are powerful. Like, whatever you say, once you say it, people expect your word to be your word, no matter what it is, how you say it, whatever. That's why I see a lot of people play the middle line when it comes to wording. They be vague so they can have an exit route. Like, they're not going to choose a side. They can pick either side because if it's very vague in what they say, then you can't pin them to a side. And I, I think he should have chose the vague route on this one. Steven is a master of vague routes, like, like vague, vague. And, like, he can pick both sides. And literally – He'll go by the literal words he says, and he can say this thing, say this thing, but he really said everything. I even know that's why he say much when people say something about him. He's very vague, and it's a middle thing. We deal with people who play on both sides, like this and third, who really don't give you a side to choose. What he does is give you this on this side, but he also gives you this on this side, but he never gives you the side he's going to choose with. You know, so, and that's, yeah, the vague side should have been it. Let's yeah. go to this one, man. Um, awesome. Jets drafted a bus who's similar to Jay Russell. Zach Wilson. I got some words for myself on this, but I'm going to let you go in this just in. One thing about my show, people, is that even though I have raw thoughts, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. But my show is for people who have platforms to allow them to express themselves and what they think on anything. And they can take as much time as they want. I hope you're ready. But go ahead. <laughs> I appreciate you, Ryan. You could have gone ahead because I am sure you and I are about to say the same thing. I will be the first man to hold up my hand and say I got it absolutely wrong on Zach Wilson. I will be the first human being to tell you that. Because, stupid me, when I saw that play that we've all seen a thousand times on ESPN prior to his draft, you know, the one where he rolled on, I want to say it's either his pro day or a combine when he was throwing. And they had him in a situation where they rolled him out to his left, you know, as a right-handed quarterback. Making throws, rolling out to your left is particularly hard. Right. They rolled him up to his left, and he hits his deep ball, hits his receiver in straight. And I'm like, oh, my God. Got to draft him second after Trevor Lawrence because, like, can't miss on this kid. I was sold a bag of peanuts for Mariah Carey CD number. <laughs> I, I, cannot, I cannot believe I paid that much. I was oversold on this kid. They, and the thing is, I knew that, remember, because that class was supposedly so deep at quarterback, five went right, in the first round right. or the first 15 and 16 or so. And logic tells you the very most, only two of these are going to be good. And I was just putting my money on Zach Wilson. But as you said earlier on, Ryan, I'm going to let you go quickly. Zach Wilson is as bad as a bust as you can get at a second overall pick. Like, like. This is going to go down in history as one of the worst Jets picks. And it is not like this is a franchise that's known for being good with their picks. So to say that this is going to be one of the worst New York Jets draft picks in all time, just seeing something. When you are getting continually benched for Mike White, and then Mike White goes down and you get a chance to say, all right, maybe I can salvage this and go into next season with the potential of starting next season or battling for that starting spot. And then you are benched again for a guy that absolutely none of us ever heard of seeing before Thursday night. 
none of us have ever heard of him. This is the guy who was picked up off the street, and you're the second overall pick. And you're benched for that, dude. Ryan, there are only a couple words I'm going to say here. Zach Wilson's time in New York is over. Whew, here go my raw thoughts now. I'm going to give you the vague thoughts. You know, they picked, when they drafted Zach Wilson, because we know the New York Jets have a history of having draft picks all the time because they're never in the Super Bowl. They're never that far. So they always have like an early pick in the draft recently, probably the past 10 years. They probably picked this pick like this was hope. But you bring in Robert Salah, defense coordinator for the Niners. You bring in a few people like it's a lot of people now that's, that was on the coach staff, Kyle Shanahan, who has bigger positions elsewhere in other places. So they saw his rollout. Like you said, that deep ball. It was like the West Coast offense is built off of the rollout, the deep ball. Fine, got it. Then I have the other side is saying, like, we always look at these players at these places, but never realize the competition they was playing against to really know what they are. And sometimes it's okay to go find that gym in the fifth round, the sixth round. That's the next part. But I'm going to give you my raw thoughts. Outside of Trevor Lawrence, I was almost scared of this draft. That lets you know no matter who's good or not, you go with what's best for your system. Each coach has a system. Each coach has a player that can play in the system well. No matter if you think this guy's super talented, if he's super talented, great. But you as a coach got to call the plays. He's a rookie. This ain't Peyton Manning coming in where he can read defenses immediately, you know, and, and just be on the fly. You have guys who have to have be in a special system to allow their talent to flourish. Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Matt Jones. I'm just naming those four right there. All those guys, you know, you, you didn't know which way was, they were going to go. You know, Trevor Lawrence won multiple national championships, I want to say, and he was a good quarterback at um, Clemson. Like, it's easy to go with him at number two. I'm not questioning. Now, what I'm questioning is the best thing that ever happened to him was Urban Meyer getting fired. Urban Meyer getting fired, bringing in Doug Peterson, who's a Super Bowl winning champion, who kind of can really relate to quarterbacks, has really evolved his game. Then you have Zach Wilson going on a defensive coordinator, who feels like they have enough pieces over here on the offense to coach him up. Then you have Trey Lance, who hasn't played a lot of football in a while, who's now hurt. But they went high to get him, which was unbelievable. It was like, I felt like it was more of a grooming stage. Then you got a third-string quarterback, Mr. Relevant, playing lights out, probably playing better than him and Jimmy Garoppolo at the moment. That's another thing to talk about. Then you have Matt Jones, who was at Alabama, a winning program, a guy you probably could plug into other winning programs because he knows how to win when you have the winning program around him. When he was at Alabama, he had multiple weapons, multiple tools to play with, so he looked good. He put him in, in um New England. was like, I hope I got something. Now you see what he is. The only way he survives, someone named it for, he survives. Matt Jones could probably play anywhere that has a really, really good team. If you're already solidified in a lot of positions, defense and offense, you put him in, he can do what he got to do. Trey Lance is a guy who's just just haven't had enough time on the field. Nothing against Trey Lance. I love him as a 49ers fan. I just don't think he's had enough experience on field because he didn't play as much in college. Trevor Lawrence, blessing Doug Peterson. Zach Wilson played at BYU. Probably didn't play a huge strength of schedule teams. He thought he was great. He was amazing because he was mobile. Most teams got him because they feel like he can throw on the fly. Like Patrick Mahomes, like you roll out and throw that deep ball. This was a bad draft, and I felt like teams made some misses outside of Jaguars, made some misses on some key players, and they thought they had some. But reality check, the Jets have never been good. They're playing against some tough teams with Miami. The Bills, for one, and you can add the Patriots, I guess, you know, until they get something together. Because Bill Belichick is still the guy you think about for the Patriots. You're playing in the division. That's just the division. But when you can't move the ball and get the ball out because teams already know what you're doing, like the game of football is faster in the NFL, and you think it's all cool for a young guy to come in and do stuff, and if you don't have those tools, even though they're they're young, they can have some potential. Putting Zach Wilson out there right now was not a good idea, but I get it. He was a hot commodity. He came out of BYU. He played good at BYU. But for me, I already knew he wanted it. I knew he wasn't it. The only quarterback I thought that was legit, the two quarterbacks I thought that was legit in that draft was Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, and I didn't mention him. But Justin Fields is playing in the offense where he has no choice but to run. You put Justin Fields in the offense with San Francisco, he doesn't have to do all that. 
put Justin Fields even with Jacksonville right now. He just have to do all that. You put Justin Fields in that offense with the Jets, I think he's a better quarterback because everybody's amazed about his running ability when really the running ability is not it. It's the fact that he has to run for what he has. That's the only reason. Zach Wilson was a bust. I was going to say I like literally knew, but I was on edge with him. Trey Lance was a shock. I really thought the 49ers would go after Justin Fields. So now with raw thoughts, I'm telling you now, the Jets are doing what they do best. They're getting ready for the draft again. They're getting ready to draft somebody again. Because there ain't no quarterback on their roster. Mike White would be there. Joe Flacco's a senior citizen. He's a Super Bowl champion, but he's a senior citizen. If you're not believing in Zach Wilson, then you have some real issues. With that being said, uh, PHP Eastern, PHP Eastern, NC, 919-738-1507, or email Phil Lampron at phpeasternnc at gmail.com, or go to lampronforlife.com. He has all types of services, retirement, finances, life insurance, free consultation for everything. All you have to do is sign up for a free consultation. He gives you what he feels. Free consultation. That's right, free consultation. Right now, anytime. And he has so many clients all over the country. He can Zoom you. He can come to you face-to-face. He can be online with you. But just give him a free consultation. The free consultation means a lot. And use the promo code RAWMIND. Use the promo code RAWMIND. And he'll give you a special supply. A special surprise. All discounts for this situation is different depending on who you are. So, let's go to this one. The New York Giants can clinch a playoff spot over the Vikings this week with the win. Do they have what it takes to beat the Vikings? Go ahead. Um, everyone has what it takes to beat the Vikings. We sit down and watched this team with such a great record. But I think, um, if memory serves me correct, before, prior to the win, and that ridiculous um, come from behind win against the Indianapolis Colts, I think they had an actual minus net rating in terms of they actually surrendered more points than they actually scored. So I say that to say anyone can beat the Vikings. Um, but I don't think it will be the Giants this weekend, simply because the biggest issue with the Vikings defensively is that soft coverage they play in their secondary. They like, back up like almost 10 yards. So they give you a free 10 yards. They play primarily zone in that secondary. And everyone has figured them out already defensively. They can't stop anyone. But I say that to say their weakness is not secondary. But if you've watched Daniel Jones for these three, four seasons, you know that in it. He's not pushing the ball down the field. And I think everyone has already worked out what the New York Giants are coming to do, which is to run the football and mask everything. They're, they try to disguise and, and the fact that they're not going to push the ball down the field, but they don't have yeah. any targets outside. You know it's going to give the ball to see a Saquon Barkley. It's one of those power runs with Daniel Jones. You should know by now, stop the box as much as you want, as you need to. Keep a spite in on Daniel Jones just in case he takes off. And dare the Giants to beat you on the outside. And I would have to believe Minnesota is coming to take away the run. Daniel Jones is not good enough already as a quarterback to take advantage of your weaknesses in your secondary. They don't have any playmakers on the outside anyway to bother those Minnesota corners who are apparently not very good. As much as I like New York's defense, especially Kayvon Thibodeau up front, I am going to have to say that the Minnesota Vikings are just going to be too much offensively. Like, the New York Giants are not going to get away with what they do. You're not going to score 24 points in this game uh, indoors and beat Minnesota. That's not going to happen. You're going to have to put up points. And we already know what Justin Jefferson is. They they have Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. And now you, they basically stole, that's all I can say, TJ Hawkinson. That's a steal. I, I don't know why Detroit did that. You're going to have to put up points. That Giants offense is just not in good enough to hang with Minnesota. So I do have the New York Giants eventually sealing a playoff spot. It's just not this weekend. For me, I'm making sure it's simple. The, the Giants going to pull the upset. reason why I'm saying they're going to pull the upset is because I think the Giants defense is a little better than the coach. I don't think the Giants defense is going to give up 
33 back-to-back points, consistent points. I think the Giants have a game plan to know similar to the Vikings outside of Justin Jefferson. One thing the Vikings like to do is throw that little screen pass to Cook. If they ain't throwing to Jefferson, they're throwing to Cook. Giants have Saquon Barkley. I feel like this game is not going to be one like a dominant blowout, but if it comes down to it, I think Daniel Jones can manage the game enough to move the chains and not do nothing stupid. Because guess what? What I've been seeing this year of Daniel Jones is Brian Dable not playing with him. Brian Dable got him on. He on ball time. Brian Dable, like, if you do something stupid, you know, we're we going to send you pack it. And we'll let you go, go be a backup somewhere else. Because you're not going to be a starter the wheels. So he's buying into, like, Brian Dable saying, like, look, you going to be a starter? You're going to listen to what I say. And if you don't listen to what I say, you're going to be somebody's backup. Because you ain't going to be able to feel. Be a starter here in New York or be a, somebody's backup and hope somebody get hurt for you to get in because that, that doesn't if that doesn't happen then you're not going to play. I think that style I, of play can be great. I don't think he's going to be a starter in New York next season. I think this is like you told who they gonna find? Who, who you think they got? Who you think they got? Just, I don't know, but like he is up no for uh, a new contract. I, I do not see the Jazz extending him. Like, what would you? What would the market be for Daniel Jones? Like you said, Oof. the moment he leaves New York. He's going to be someone's backup. You're not going to pay him, I don't know, twenty to twenty-five million dollars a year. And I mean, that's, no, 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 no. That's only no. and that's only low end, considering when you look at what quarterbacks are being paid. Like Aaron Rodgers has fifty-three million dollars coming his way next season. But we'll get to that shortly. But the whole thing is, even at twenty, twenty-five million dollars, something someone like Baker Mayfield couldn't even get that. And I suspect Baker Mayfield is just slightly better than Daniel Jones. I think he's done. My guy, CR Media, man. My guy, my guy. What's up, big time, Daniels Chase? Um, he said they ain't got nobody. <laughs> so I guess he's saying like they ain't got nobody. Assumedly, Daniel Jones may be lucky to get there, um, to stay. But for you, I'm gonna say this: Daniel Jones could lock up a thirty million dollar deal. Like that still be his overall contract because he'll be the type of. This is the guy right now. I say who's at the end of his contract, who will be the lowest paid QB ever under these new circumstances of paying these quarterbacks by their value. I can see him probably getting like a three-year, $30 million deal, $10 million a year, if he gets that. I'm saying low. I'm saying low because he's a backer. $30 million is not bad for a quarterback. You give him a quarterback one year to me. It may go – it may be $15 million guaranteed because at the end of the day, he may get like a short term on that. And hopefully he could do something. I'm not saying he will to make up for it. That's what I see, you know, with with Daniel Jones if they got him. But like, if they don't have nothing to pick from, the Giants not going to even get a high pick. It's a lot of quarterbacks in this pool, so now they mess themselves up because they're like in the middle of the pool, so they can't go high and get the quarterback they really want. You know, some quarterbacks out there in this draft for college football. So now it's like, what else you have? You don't know what Jimmy G stay hurt. He's he's a situation right now, even if he's not in San Francisco, people say, should we take a risk on him? He might be hurt week one. Like he's like the ultimate risk with a good record. I'm gonna take that risk if I'm if I'm a team, right, who believes that they're a quarterback away. So let's look at Washington Commanders or the same New York Giants. Um, we could go on and on. There are teams out there. Indianapolis Colts. I could do a lot worse than Jimmy Garoppolo, like because the San Francisco Fortnighters have obviously your Fortnighters have obviously invested too much in Trey Lance to sit him on the bench, and they already started this year, so you know what intentions they have with Trey Lance. I think that was a mistake on your part, by the way, because this team's a team that you can see is ready to win now, and you mentioned it earlier. The not only the level that Trey Lance played at, but the fact that because of COVID and injuries. Trey Lance has not played a lot of football in the last three, four years. I would not have either A, drafted Trey Lance or moved up that high to get Trey Lance because this 49ers team is ready to win right now. And I don't know a quarterback like Trey Lance has enough experience to win right now. So I say all that to say, like, Jimmy Garoppolo, if I am just a team who honestly believes I am a quarterback away from winning it, I could do a lot worse than going after Jimmy Garoppolo, but I'm not sticking with Daniel Jones because, again, you see that Brian Dable is a very good coach. You have gotten a resurgence out of 
Saquon Bartley. You drafted well to land Kayvon Thibodeau, who I thought initially was the best player in this draft, but my thoughts have kind of changed since then. And this defense is underratingly good at times. I have to believe I can't waste another year with Daniel Jones because look at it. You're about to sneak your way into the playoffs with Daniel Jones as your quarterback. Imagine if your quarterback was that much better what you might be. You might have been contending for the division. Well, probably not. But you know what I mean. Like You could be like first wild card spot. And I mean, you are in a very good division. So even to say that you're a wild card coming out of the NFC East, when you consider that the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys are there, that's no shame. But no, you can't go far with Daniel Jones next season. I'm gonna leave it there. Um, let's let's go to the next topic. Uh, the good topic. We're gonna discuss the future of your Green Bay Packers. You got an autograph helmet back there. It's a lot of stuff going on in Green Bay with no owner. It's by shares. So. This season, you thought something was going to be different. You, you let go of Devontae Adams. You let him walk for good money. But you had the man Aaron Rodgers like, hold my beer at the beginning of the season. Now we're here. So what's the state of the Packers? Are they going to make the playoffs this season? Are they going to pull the upset and make some things happen? If we didn't have to play in Miami this weekend, I would tell you, yeah, we're going to make the playoffs. Um, because the other two games – we have to play Detroit and Minnesota. Those are two hard division games, but they'll be on at home in cold weather. Can you beat Minnesota? Yeah. Like, okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. I'd say that because, again, Minnesota and Detroit are both dome teams. And I'm not in a sweatshirt here in Green Bay, or sorry, in Wisconsin, just for fun. It's extremely cold right now. <laughs> Those two teams are not going to want to play in the cold, particularly Detroit. I don't think Detroit is built to play in the cold. Minnesota, a little bit more so because they have Dalvin Cook. So they can they can run the ball and do everything off of play action because they have the weapons on offense to be able to sustain all drives in the cold. But the issue, to answer your question, we have to win every one of our last three games. And the next game is in Miami in warm weather. Aaron Rodgers is not known for performing well in warm weather places, especially in Florida at this time of year. And reality is Miami right now is a better football team than us. If it was another, if it was a home game, again, if Miami was coming to Green Bay, then I'll tell you, we had to win out. I'd say, yeah, the Green Bay Packers didn't make the playoffs. We will sneak in as that last wildcard spot. But playing in Miami at this time of year, probably not. The State of Packers going forward. So this season, I'm going to really go on to this, Ryan. You made a mistake of letting me lose. Oh, yeah, you're good, good, good. Go ahead, go ahead. Do you you let me lose. <laughs> Roll thoughts. <laughs> this team, yes, we lost Devontae Adams, and we've lost a lot of talent along the way. We've lost Corey Lindsley, which is a all-pro starting center. He's in the Chargers. Uh, we wrongfully let go of the wrong Smith. Darius Smith is in Minnesota when we should have kept him and let go of Preston Smith, but that's another conversation for another team. So the team is not as talented as years gone by. That being said, this is not, and Minnesota rightfully should win the division. But there is no reason why, Ryan, that this team should not be squarely owning the rights to a wild card spot. And it all comes down to coaching, Ryan. So the biggest culprit right now, is none other than John Barry or Joe Barry. Sorry, you have a ton of first round picks on that defense. You have Jair Alexander, who's the only Packer named to Pro Bowl, a shutdown corner. You have mm. the likes of up front, one of the best nose tackles in the league, probably second best in my es- estimation, in Kenny Clark. Um, you have a former Pro Bowl linebacker in Devondre Campbell, first round pick next to him in Quay Walker. Very, very good damn athlete. I love Quay Walker. He's going to be special eventually. And you have Adrian Amos behind them. Talent-wise, right, this is an extremely talented defense. But, again, coaching. The only thing Joe Barry knows how to do is coach these soft zone packages. Like, it's always these two high safety zones, soft coverage. Does not play man at all, never blitzes. Teams have figured him out. 
big Daniel Jones and and, and I want to say um, the commander starting quarterback Taylor Heineke. They had their best career days against that defense. <laughs> like they look like top ten quarterbacks against us simply because Joe Barry only knows how to play two high safeties and soft zone coverage. And then for the other coaching problem, Matt Lafleur. And I'm going to show you how easy this coaching problem is, right? Rain, what makes good coaches good coaches as opposed to ordinary or bad coaches is that you look at your roster and you figure out what your best players do best or what your roster is best suited at doing and you tailor-made your offense or your defense or your entire scheme around what the team does best. Without Devontae Adams, you have to... Oh, and Marquez valdez County. He's in Kansas City. You have to know your best playmakers right now are Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. You have to know that before the start of the season. You're two running backs. Then the best receiver that you thought you had in Alan Lazard, his best attributes is as a run blocker on the outside. Christian Watson is a burner. And that means like he straight lane, runs fast, whatever not. Ryan, if your best playmakers are your running backs, your wide receiver, your best wide receiver, best attribute is run blocking. And who is now your best wide receiver, Christian Watson's a burner. What do you do then, Ryan? You run the down football. <laughs> your offense has to be a run first offense and anything you do off of that has to be play action because if you're a burner Christian Watson is that good what happens is that you get best get the attributes out of them by play action everyone sucks in and then Christian Watson's speed gets everyone backpedaling you go the ball deep and the last two seasons when Aaron Rodgers has won MVP he has been the best play action passer in the league Ryan all of that tells me you run the damn football. You have to be a run first offense. First and primarily. For the life of me, you know what it took for Matt LaFleur to realize that this should be a run first offense? In week 10 against the Dallas Cowboys, when they realized, wait a minute, Aaron Jones and, and, and AJ Diller are down good. I'm going to run the football down Dallas' through. And ever since then, we beat Dallas. We were competitive against Philadelphia. That was a one-score game. I want to talk about that Tennessee debacle. Obviously, then, you beat bad teams in Chicago and what's the other one? Um, Chicago on the road, and there was another bad team that we beat. The Los Angeles Rams. And what did you do? You set the run-up. that you Everything was run, 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 and every pass then came out of a run. Look, Rain, that should have been obvious. To start the season. Should it, it should not have taken 10 weeks. And that is why. That was a sign of bad coaching. You can go on no rant. Sorry for taking well, that. I turn. think. And that, that's what I was going to say. Like. um, I think Matt LaFleur's biggest issue. Is that. He may want to run the ball. But you got Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers may not. Aaron Rodgers is a stat guy. And he needs to have the ball in his hands to win. But it's okay to let everybody else run. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is built for. Him going with a run game first, pass second type of offense. And especially if it's not a philosophy for a Super Bowl. I think it's a, a philosophy to win some games. And like Dallas, I'm going to tell you that with Dallas. Like Dallas is good against the pass rush, but they're like dead last against the run. So like he knew that. So that's how that happened. And that works. I feel like any team, if you have a strong running game and they can get yards, the play action is going to work so much better. That's any team in the NFL. And Matt LaFleur probably just like, I'm just telling you that raw thoughts. He's like, I'd be glad when Aaron Rodgers out of here because this is too much. I know Matt LaFleur ain't in that negotiating no contracts. I think he's really over Aaron. But at the same time, Aaron's legacy, he's a first first ballot Hall of Famer. Things like that, you know, he has no room to say anything because that team is based upon Aaron Rodgers. When Aaron Rodgers ready to leave because of y'all situation with the owner, that's what he's going to leave. If this and was any other owner, they may would have took a chance. But no, but go ahead. And he's not going to leave next season because he's owed $53 million. To Ain't him no way. You're going to get that bag. No doubt about that. <laughs> so, like, he's not going to retire because no one's going to leave $53 million guaranteed on the table. Right. We can't trade him because the 
that cap. No, but that's going to take that type of money because you had to give up the farm to get that $53 million. So you can get Aaron Rodgers, yeah, but you got to give up something, some draft picks or some star players somewhere to even fit him into the contract scenario. And then on top of that, even getting his contract moved, he's still going to carry a huge dead cap hit on our salary cap. So it doesn't make any sense paying him not to play for us. So like, right. could as well have him here. And I can't see Aaron Rodgers like doing like some other team, other players like, hey, we can move most of my money into bonuses. He's not going to do that. He's going to get that money regardless. He ain't going to take no chance on the bonuses he may not get. So we had players who have done that, who have like made um, huge, huge moves on bonuses because they believe in the team. But that's a different story. Good luck at Green Bay. Now we're going to go to this topic right here. <laughs> Jazz, can they win that AFC South? Jazz, we were just talking about the quarterback play since Doug Peterson got there. Can they get in and win the rest of these games? I'm going to tell you who they got. The Jaguars have, they beat the Jets, they got the Texans next, and then they got a matchup with the Tennessee Titans. Not can they, Ray. That's a bad question. Will they? And the answer is yes. They are going to win. Because first situation, the Houston Texans are not like what the, um, I want to say the same New York Jets did a couple of years. Sorry. Yeah, a couple yeah. years ago, when they had the number one seed or the number one draft pick all but wrapped up, and they won two games down the stretch to miss out on drafting Trevor Lawrence. The Houston Texans are not stupid. They know that Bryce Young is a guy that they need to land, and they're going to make sure to wrap up that number one overall pick. Just look at the situation in the last two weeks. They had Dallas to beat, and they had the Kansas City Chiefs to beat. To, to, to beat. And what did they do, right? They made sure to find ways to lose. Say, so, okay, we're going to be competitive with these two games. Hold on a second. <coughs> so sorry about that. We're going to be competitive with these two playoff teams. However, we're not stupid. Winning these games means absolutely nothing to us. We are going to lose. So I say that to say, first, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to beat the Houston Texans. And it's going to end up in a winner-take-all situation against the Tennessee Titans in the last week of the season. And guess what, Ryan? The Tennessee Titans have to win that game because they already lost the the first matchup with the Jaguars as part of this current four-game losing streak. So if these two teams are tight, the head-to-head tiebreaker goes to Jacksonville Jaguars. So they can't afford to lose this and end up with a season sweep. The, Titans, the Tennessee Titans right now, their starting quarterback is hurt in Ryan Tannehill. We know this rookie is not exactly ready to lead to wins. Everyone knows already how to beat this Tennessee Titans team, like stack the box and dare them to beat them on the outside. There's no AJ Brown, so you don't have to worry about the um, the receivers on the outside. And on top of that, all they think the Tennessee Titans still have a matchup left with the Dallas Cowboys. Granted, the Cowboys have already sewn up a playoff spot, but depends on what happens with the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's say they beat the Philadelphia Eagles because Jalen Hurts is not playing. The Cowboys may still be in with a show to win the NFC East. So the Dallas Cowboys have something to play for. I can see the Tennessee Titans losing that game. And then also the last game of the season to the Jacksonville Jaguars who wrap up the AFC South with that win. I think Jaguars win this division. I think Doug Peterson, they got hot at the right time. And they're playing. That Dallas Cowboys win was a huge win for them. I think they're going to wrap up the division. I think this team going to really do something. I think that Trevor Lawrence has got the right coach right now in front of him that can help him get by. So, I got that. Um, before I go to the next subject, go to the next subject. I can't even get it out. Can I find it? Oh, <laughs> Essential Collection by Monica Ritz. Essential Collection by Monica Ritz. Her website is www. Essential Collections. Square. Site. Use promo code Raw Mind. Use the promo code Raw Mind. You get a twenty percent discount. That's right, twenty percent discount. Use the promo code Raw Mind. All authentic products. Authentic product products. Bath products. Facial products. Body products. You got. You name it. She has it. With that being said, uh, the next topic is. Oh boy, the lines are on the road. The lines on the road right now. Can they get into the playoffs? Will they get into the playoffs, should I say? They can get into the playoffs 
Will they get into the playoffs is another question. And again, the Lions just beat they, they 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 play the Panthers this week. I'm sorry, I didn't even say the schedule. I'm sorry. No, Lions play the Panthers. They got the Panthers, they got the Bears, and they got the Packers. The problem with me saying the Detroit Lions are gonna get into the playoffs, and again, don't get me wrong, this is a team that can be very, very prolific offensively. And you know, know that they've added Jameson Williams off of IR the impressive rookie from Alabama. Like, that offense is only going to get even better. Like, Amarosin, Brown, DeAndre Swift, um, Jamal Williams, they could go on and on and on. The problem, Ryan, the problem here is, I think in his two, three-year stint, Dan Campbell only has two road wins in, in his entire coaching stint. And two of Detroit's last three games are on the road. I can see a situation where Carolina, who still has a division to play for, by the way, even at 5-9, and nine, they are still in with a show to win the NFC South. And since Steve Wilkes has taken over and they traded their best player in Christian McCaffrey, this team has been extremely competitive, surprisingly so. I see a situation where Detroit loses in Carolina this weekend. They beat the Bears, and with the playoffs on the line, they lose in Lambeau Field where they historically really just don't win. I want to see the Detroit Lions in the playoffs as hard as it sounds for an NFC North rival to see it. But two of their last three games on the road and the Detroit Lions do not play well on the road. They do not play well outside the dome. They don't play well in cold weather climates. That's all I have to say. Hmm. I think the Washington football team has been like done them what it was. Um, they may be in trouble. Uh, Washington football team got they say they got cheated last week and then they got to play against San Francisco. Not trying to be biased, it's gonna be tough to go into Levi and beat them and to get your playoff folks back. I think that was like the biggest snub. Like the Washington football team may be the team out, so we're gonna see. Um, I expect the Washington football team to back in. Simply because the other teams, Seattle, they have some tough games. On, um, let me check their schedule. And they to close out, Seattle has to go to Arrowhead this weekend. Like you can mark an automatic loss there. Then, oh, oh, you know what? Seahawks may get that final spot. I, I, I like that too. Oh, Seattle got. I don't know. Seattle got the, the Jets. They got the Chiefs. The Rams. They got. They're gonna probably lose to the Chiefs. They got the Jets. They can go two and one. I can see that. I had that, I had it already scripted out for you. Um, yeah, they they can probably finish the season two and one. But the thing is, I expect the Commanders to finish the season two and one too, and they think that they have the better record as it stands right now. Because let's say they lose, they're going to lose and leave right to the San Francisco 49ers. That's no doubt about that. I think your 49ers really are the best team in the NFC. But then they have the Browns, who are almost automatically, like almost mathematically eliminated. Mm-hmm. I think they win at home against the Browns. And by the time they have to play the Cowboys in the la- on January 8th, the last week of the season, yeah. as much as I say the Cowboys could be the Eagles, I suspect that the Cowboys won't have anything to play for on that last week of the year. The Commanders will have everything to play for. I think the Commanders beat the Browns and the Cowboys to get into the playoffs. Interesting. Whew. Now we're gonna talk about this last topic before we get off air because we're we about running out of time. Brock Purdy in San Francisco. You said a few things earlier, but I'm gonna get my raw thoughts after you, <laughs> and I'm gonna have my raw thoughts time. So here we go. I want to let you, you get your raw thoughts. Can Brock Purdy be the guy behind the snap? I mean, we know he probably will be because the other two guys hurt. Can he lead the Forty Nine to the Super Bowl? I hate to put that on a rookie quarterback because I don't believe rookie quarterbacks are ever prepared to play in the playoffs, let alone win playoff games. But And I'm not saying this because you're a 49ers fan. I'm saying this honestly. If there is a situation where you want a rookie quarterback to play and be successful in, it's the San Francisco 49ers' current team. And there are two reasons why. One, the first and most important reason their 
you, sorry, are not going to ask Brock Purdy to do too much. When you look at your offense and your playmakers particularly, all of them do one thing and one thing particularly well when you look at them. George Kittle, um, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. All of them are heavy run after the catch guys. They are guys you give the ball in their hands early and you let them create in space. You tell them, all right, I'm going to get my ball. I'm going to get the ball out of my hands quickly. I'm going to give you the ball and I'm going to let you do the rest. And with that safety net, with those players involved and Brandon Ayuk, I don't see a situation where the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, they're not going to ask Brock Purdy to do too much. They're not going to put him in harm's way. And then on top of that, as you know, Ryan, you mentioned it earlier, your offense, which is a hybrid of Kyle Shanahan's father's offense, Mike Shanahan from the Denver Broncos days, and Gary Kubiak as well. And you've seen it all across this league with Arthur Smith, um, Matt LaFleur here in the Green Bay Packers, a bit Robert Sala over there. Mike McDaniel too. There you go. Expect Mike McDaniel. This offense is based off the run. And everything off of that counters off of the run. San Francisco 49ers have one of the best offensive lanes in the entire NFL. You run the football well, and you're going to ask Brock Purdy, whatever throws he asks to make, you're going to do it on play actions, on bootlegs, on rollouts, and you're going to cut the field in half and make it really simple for him. Get the ball into playmakers' hands, or you're just going to run the football. You're not going to put Brock Purdy in harm's way. And that's why I think the setup on offense with the San Francisco 49ers works well for a young rookie quarterback in Brock Purdy. But then on the other side, and probably more pertinent, is that you have the best defense in the NFL. And you may not get into too many shootouts, again, not asking Brock Purdy to do too much. Your defense is extremely great. And you're just going to ask Brock Purdy, do not turn over the football, don't mess it up, manage the game, make sure that we're in good you know, down in distances, or we can play the field position battle if we're struggling on offense. Just don't turn over the football. Our defense will keep us in the game until we get what we want. But you Man, this, you're going perfectly for Brock Purdy to, to win football games. And, and that's the thing. Like, I was telling people the other day, like, you know, the 49ers are super, super built. And I hear people like, what if he get in a shootout? What if he get in a shootout? My question to people is, what if he never gets into a shootout? What if the defense does that job the rest of the year in the playoffs? What if the team just plays great and he never gets to a shootout? He could be the first rookie to win the Super Bowl. Everybody say, this going to happen. You don't know. It may not never happen with the 49ers defense. He may not have to be pressured to be in a winning situation. What if he doesn't have to be pressured to be in a winning situation? Can he still win? And this is my thing with him. I mean, when Jimmy G first got there, Years ago, we were playing bad. They beat some key teams, key teams. And the thing that got me was, it's like he was very, very mobile. Then next year, I think it was Patrick Mahomes' first year officially starting, he tears his ACL. And Jimmy G has been, like, s- stuck in the pocket. Trey Lance doesn't have a lot of experience playing in the NFL or playing a lot of downs. And rolling out and stuff like that, you can still see a lot of rookie mistakes. But with Brock Purdy back here, and I'm saying this first live and well, he had four years of starting, could have went to Alabama, Mr. Arizona, I want to say, and he's been playing in multiple games. His style of play is perfect for the 49ers. Although he was Mr. Relevant, I think the 49ers got a steal because who ever thought that Trey Lance would be hurt, Jimmy G would be hurt, and Brock Purdy would be in here still winning. Believe it or not, our scoring average has went up since Brock Purdy has been here on offense. Has he been the person that you say you need him to win the game? That hasn't been the story. But he's made some extremely tough throws. He's been mobile. He slipped on a play last week against Seattle, got up, and made a throw. If Jimmy G slips, he's staying down. So that's what I was saying to myself. Like, you know, he stays down on that play. You know, he doesn't get up. Like, it's the mechanics and it's certain things about this kid. Like, the it factor. That's all the 49ers are going to do. They have the it factor. He's actually throwing the ball down the field. Jimmy G going to throw the ball in the middle. He's throwing the ball to the sideline. He's throwing it to the top. He's finding people. And I like what he's doing. Now, the question is to me, and I'm going to ask you right now, Wild Thoughts, because the defense is going to be fine. They help. If the 49ers are healthy, nobody's not going to put a lot of points on this defense in the NFC. AFC, that'll be in the Super Bowl. 
because you'll play them in the Super Bowl. I don't think no teams will put a lot of points on on the 49ers with this defense. And again, Javon Kinlaw back. Greenlaw, Shazier, and uh, Warner, the man himself. Then you have a veteran in Gibson, you know, playing back there. And Tupalaka has probably been the best safety in, in football in this second year. I don't even mention Nick Bosa. I ain't even, that's, that's the, that's the problem going to be defensive player of the year. Thank you. He's a defensive player of the year. He still got air on stay and getting those guys. Like that defense, I seen Steve say something the other day and it was like, it was like perfect wording. He said, these guys like piranhas on defense. He said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame Geno Smith throwing the ball away seeing these boys come at him. Cause you know, they, I, I feel him. Cause like he knows these guys, they bring the heat. And that's what I was going to say this week about, um, I got some friends that are Washington football commanders fans. You know, Trevor Heineken ain't seen a defense like this. Say we've seen the Eagles. You ain't seen a defense like this. The Eagles front seven is not better than 49ers front seven. The, the thing about the Eagles, they have a good secondary overall. Not a good front seven. This is different. We have a front seven that can get after you. You know, they can get after you. And the 49ers get after you in multiple ways. And they didn't move Jimmy Ward. He's an experienced guy to the nickelback. You know, so that makes it interesting because he's never played that position. So it's been weird seeing him go through it because I didn't see him get beat a few times because that's not a position that he could really play. But Brock Purdy does some things extra that Jimmy G doesn't. And he has more experience than Trey Lance. A lot of people don't believe in him. But this situation for Brock Purdy has been amazing. So I'm about to go to you right now. If Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl, does he keep the starting position? Probably not. Go ahead, go ahead, finish up. I like you. I like Brock Purdy, but again, like we're gonna find out how good Brock Purdy is in the playoffs. Again, the issue is, and it's probably wrong. They are going to base like this is Trey Lance's job. Whether so Trey you Lance like, with no experience, still here. We see him play against the Chicago Bears and stunk it up in the rain. I get it. They'll probably say rain. Then he came back the next week against Seattle. It was ugly until Jimmy G got there. But go ahead, go ahead. And I'm again I'm with you. Like if Brock Purdy wins you a Super Bowl, should he be at least competing for a starting job? Yes. The problem is, Rain, it goes beyond the field. They saw the draft picks to how value they put into him. Right, right, right. You took three first rounders to trade up to get him late. You've invested too much. And the thing is, not only have you invested too much into Trey Lance, you've invested too much and have not seen enough of Trey Lance. So the foreigners are going to tell themselves, we put this huge investment in him. We at least have to give him a chance to see what our investment is going to turn out to be. And that's the reality so, of the situation. So check this out. I'm going to throw another monkey wrench into this. I'm just, this is your raw thoughts because we're about to get off because I know we're busy. I know we didn't, we're over the hour. Um, oh, I'm good. Late. Whatever. I know you are. I know you're good. We're talking about for the fans, for the people. So, let's say he wins the Super Bowl and they decide to keep Jimmy G. And they decide to trade That's, Trey Lance. Do you oh. think he should be tradable, Trey Lance, and keep Brock Purdy and Jimmy G on the roster compared to Trey Lance? The thing is because, uh, ideally, right, in an ideal world, you wouldn't have drafted Trey Lance because I don't know why you just decide to move on from a guy, and by the guy meaning Jimmy Garoppolo, who just wins for you. All Jimmy Garoppolo does is win. I know he has limitations in mobility. He has some limitations with his arm strength. And the offense is not as dynamic as you want it to be with another quarterback. Um, They're not going to trade Trey Lance. I'm sorry, Ryan. They not, no, they're not going to trade Trey Lance. You can, you can scratch that off of the list of possibilities. Um, I know you've lowered Jimmy Garoppolo's salary to a point where you can manage to keep him. But I think what's going to happen, like I mentioned earlier in the show, somebody is going to come and knock him. Somebody who needs a quarterback right right now. And Jimmy Garoppolo is just too good of an asset for another team to miss out on. I think the only reason, and you're lucky, you're very fortunate that this happened. I think the only reason that you are not able to move Jimmy Garoppolo the last offseason is because he was coming off a shoulder injury. Right, 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 right. If his shoulder was healthy, he would have been stopped up in a heartbeat. And I think that's another reason you're not going to keep him because of the constant injury concern. You want a guy that's going to be constant. Right, right, right. That you right. want to be under center. Bro, so who would you keep? Show? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, bro. No, no, no. Bro, who would you start 
between Brock <laughs> Purdy yourself and Trey Lance. If since you already say you, it sounds like you saying you pushing Jimmy G out the door. He's already out the door because he, he didn't risk them too much over years, and then made a lot of money. Go ahead. I want everyone to understand. I like Jimmy Garoppolo to a point, and if it were up to me, I would not have drafted Trey Lance, and Jimmy Garoppolo would still be the starting quarterback of the Four Niners. That's just me. Okay. Okay. Again, no, you're asking me if I was a general manager with all three of these quarterbacks in the scenario where Brock Purdy wins. I am not a trail ass apologist, but this is the thing. I've already traded three first rounders for trail ass. I'm going to have to try to recoup something with one of these quarterbacks. So I'm going to put Jimmy G on the trade market, see what it can get. And I'm going to let Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. That's granted that you win the Super Bowl. Because if you don't win the Super Bowl, then I want Jimmy Garoppolo yeah, there yeah, yeah. as a insurance policy. Like If it starts to go south the next season, and you don't win a Super Bowl, as I told you before, right, your team is built to win a Super Bowl right now. Right now. So if you don't right win now. It, I agree. If you don't win it this season, I would keep Jimmy Garoppolo as the insurance around. But if you do, then you have the luxury of letting Brock Purdy and Trey Lance battle it out for the starting position next season, and you see what you can get for Jimmy Garoppolo on the market. I have no argument there, so I, I got it. With that being said, man, this just in. Plug yourself in. Let them know where they can find you. First, let me thank you, Ryan. It's been too, too, too long, and anytime you get a chance, I've been bothered at this. Anytime you get a chance on Monday night, please, 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 just tell me, hey, Justin, I got some time. We got to get you back on the show because it's been too long. Right. But you asked me to plug myself, so here it goes. As I told you on the top of your show, it's hashtag this Justin. Be sure to put the hashtag in because you don't want to be taken to Max Kellerman's ESPN show. We don't want no. That's correct because he said he had it before Max Kellerman. He had it before Max Kellerman, people. He just was on a bigger platform, so he used it better. But anyway, but we know my guy has it where he has. He's had it before. <laughs> no hate for Max Kellerman, I say, but hashtag this Justin. We are on Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, every single Monday night live on YouTube. So don't miss this Monday because we're going to recap NFL. And for our short form content, you can find us on Twitter, you can find us on Facebook, and you can find us on Instagram. Again, hashtag this just and you can find us there. But before we all I want to thank you so, so, so much, Ray. Because it's always a blast doing this show with you, and we have to do this more often. Oh, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. And with that being said, you already know the deal, people. Man, it's amazing. Find me on all podcast platforms. If you ain't looking at it now, on YouTube, live, still will be available on YouTube, still be available here. But I'd rather you go check it out when you ride it. T job. On vacation. Christmas holidays. The podcast is right here available. Right here on all podcast platforms. iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify. Those are the main ones. Do you have Google Podcasts? But we have more. With that being said, Raw Mind, Raw Thoughts is out. Eyes open and listen. This is Raw Mind Sports, another edition.